SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. A probe into private health care and shocking findings of report on infant deaths. Good evening, I'm Greg Host with the news at 6pm on SAFM. The Economic Development Minister, Ibram Patel, says competition authorities are to launch an investigation into the private health care industry, where early evidence has showed high prices and market distortions. The government is working on a long-term nationwide health insurance plan, but the more than 250 billion rand scheme will not be in place until 2025. The minister says government wants to reduce the cost of health care for millions of South Africans who cannot afford to go to private hospitals. Minister Patel, who announced the inquiry during his budget vote in the National Assembly, says this is being done to make health affordable to all. Private medical care is becoming unaffordable. The inquiry will use the new powers under Section 6 of the Competition Amendment Act of 2009 and will examine the pricing, the costs and the state of competition in the sector. It is expected that the inquiry will commence before the end of September this year. South Africa has come under heavy criticism for showing little progress in saving the lives of thousands of babies who die in the country each year shortly after birth. A report released by the world's largest children's rights organization, Save the Children, says 21 babies die every single day after birth, while 55 babies die before they reach the age of one month. The 2013 State of the World's Mother's Report, released in Johannesburg, says 7,500 babies die each year in the country because of complications during labor. Pam Innes is from Save the Children, South Africa. Sadly, that fight isn't over with HIV AIDS. B, the report also shows little to no progress in saving lives at birth. As a result, the first day of a baby's life in South Africa is the most dangerous day of that baby's life. And that's not acceptable. The wife of Cape Town Professor Cyril Carabas says his detention in the United Arab Emirates has fractured their family. He was arrested while in Dubai in August last year in connection with the death of a three-year-old patient more than a decade ago. He was recently acquitted of manslaughter charges. Jenny Carabas says they're unsure when he'll be coming home as his passport is still missing. They can't find his passport, basically. Now each man blames the next man. Now they say it's the emigration, but when you go, there's nothing. And then they say it's Waqda prison, and it's not there either. And they took it from him at the airport, so it's still at the airport. We're running around and around in circles. Eastern Cape Police have confiscated Avalone with a street value of 20,000 rand in a raid near Port Alfred. Police, assisted by a local security company, acted on information and spotted three men carrying bags of abalone. They ran away, but police managed to arrest one of the men. They also confiscated an unlicensed car believed to be stolen. The man is expected to appear in court tomorrow on charges of contravening the Marine Living Resources Act, as well as possession of a stolen vehicle. Finally, pop star Justin Bieber's landed at Cape Town's International Airport. The 19-year-old star is currently on a world tour. Meanwhile, fans have already started queuing at the Cape Town Stadium ahead of his concert tomorrow evening. They're standing alongside patrons for this evening's Bon Jovi concert. Fans are expected to flock to the stadium for Bieber's performance tomorrow. He'll also perform in Johannesburg later this week. A look now at the top story.
The Economic Development Minister, Ibram Patel, says competition authorities are to launch an investigation into the private health care industry, where early evidence has showed high prices and market distortions. The next news bulletin of local and international news is at 7 o'clock. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hose. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update on this Tuesday evening. And uh, if you are up in the high felt, uh, you can definitely feel that winter is here. Pitch dark outside. Uh, it's not even uh, five past six. Gugu and Fupi has your business news as always. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. The South African Revenue Service has acquired new powers to gather intelligence on taxpayers and collect revenue. It's reported that people and companies, such as lawyers, estate agents and medical aid funds, now have a duty to automatically submit information about their clients to SARS should the tax collector request such. And Mauritius has long been a popular tourist destination among South Africans, but now many hard-nosed investors wanting to make solid returns with a luxury lifestyle are also heading for the tropical paradise. According to statistics by the Mauritian Board of Investments, 30% of foreigners who've bought property in the integrated resource scheme on the island are from South Africa, whilst others are from France as well as the UK. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index is closed flat at 39,797 points. The rands at 9 rand 1 cent to the US dollar, 13.91 to the pound and 11 rand 80 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,446 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $105 and the platinum price at $1,474 an ounce. Thanks, Google. Lots to get through this evening on the market update. So we say good evening to our guest market watcher, Mohamed Nala, who's head of strategic research at, uh, for global markets at Nedbank Capital. Mohammed JSE up very strongly today, and then 4 o'clock something happened. What went wrong? Yeah, it's, it's really been quite a surprising day, Hilton. As you mentioned, we traded up for most of the day. You know, not much, by the, by the way, of economic data out. We certainly had German factory orders out at around 12 o'clock, uh, which surprised to the upside, and that was certainly very supportive of risk sentiment. But then at 4 o'clock, it looks as though all sentiment reversed uh, really against most of ex- most expectations because we had U.S. markets opening up in positive territory, but really looks as though participants just rationalizing their exposures and really left us ending the day flat uh, with most sectors pretty much flat on the day. Resources, which was positive for most of the day, also ending uh, just slightly in negative territory, but certainly quite concerning that we saw that gold sector trade down by around 2.5%. That's on the back of a much lower bullion price as it continues to struggle quite a bit. Uh, We also saw some downside materialize in the form of healthcare stocks. We had Discovery as one of the biggest losers on the day on the top 40, down around 3.5%. A similar move on life healthcare. This really on the back of some commentary out uh, that, you know, effectively government will be looking into the private healthcare sector uh, over the coming months. Mohamed, we also saw uh, the rand moving in the wrong direction, down about a quarter of 1%, 2 cents, uh, 3 cents weaker against the US dollar, back through 9 rand to the US dollar. On, on, the, uh, on the markets, uh, your commentary for the week uh, posted yesterday on the NetBank Capital blog suggested that investors need to ride the wave but wear a life jacket. What did you mean by that? Effectively, what, what we're seeing, Hilton, is that we've got markets that are really looking quite extended. So if you look at you know, a number of the equity sectors, they're not looking cheap. They are quite extended. We've got the Dow and the S&P currently trading at record highs. 
Now, that's showing you that the upward momentum is still very much intact. But I think the market's getting a little weary. If you look at some of that momentum, it looks as though the energy of the most recent bull run uh, looking as though it, it, it's starting to leak out of the system. Uh, the reason for that rand, as you mentioned, you know, ticking just above nine rand again, that we've seen additional stimulus uh, by way of the, uh, the, the bank, the central bank of Australia, effectively cutting their benchmark rate. So that's, again, proving risk supportive. But a lot of markets, specifically our equity markets, and then more specifically our bond markets, looking as though it's headed into extended territory. So I really think staying close to the door on this particular one is certainly a prudent strategy in, in the interim. You mentioned the move there by the Reserve Bank on, of Australia today to cut that benchmark lending rate uh, by a quarter to uh, 2.75%. We saw the move by the ECB uh, cutting the benchmark and the marginal lending rate last week. There are some suggestions by some commentators that our Reserve Bank's hand may be forced when it comes to interest rates at some point this year. Why might uh, our Reserve Bank need to lower rates? Again, if you look at this global sentiment, we've had this global carry trade and stimulus trade effectively being, being with us for quite some time now. I think a lot of the impetus came through from around the middle of last year, uh, and it looks as though a lot of economies out there are doing a considerable amount to try and shore up. So if you look at the, the Eurozone, you know, they're trying to reverse the recession that's been with them for the last five quarters. When you look at the domestic market, you know, with this wash of money that we're getting globally, it certainly pushed our bond yields a lot lower. Uh, and this really lending itself to that speculation that the Fed hand may well be forced uh, in terms of cutting rates further. Uh, that being said, I think if you look at the underlying fundamental factors in our economy, you look at the upside risks to inflation, yes, they are dissipating somewhat. We've had you know, rationalization in that oil price. It has helped. We've seen lower petrol prices materialize. The RAND has consolidated somewhat. So some of those inflationary pressures have dissipated a little bit. And when you look at the growth pressures, those are certainly to the downside. Uh, by and large, our view at NetBank Capital and NetBank remains that risks are likely to remain flatter for an extended period of time, certainly for the rest of this year, if not into at least the second half or, or the third quarter next year. Our thanks to Mohamed Nala, who's Head of Strategic Research for Global Markets at Nedbank Capital. Just looking across the 52-week highs on the market, so a couple of property funds up there again. Uh, we've got Robosis, also Sycom, uh, posting 52-week highs. Impact Packaging Company spun out of Mondi, that's at a fresh 52-week high. EOH, over 53 rand a share. Pinnacle, uh, still continuing its amazing run at uh, almost 23 rand a share. Imperial posting a fresh 52-week high. Old Mutual also up there, uh, edging ever closer to that 30 rand mark. And on the low side, on the downside, African Bank Investments Limited, Able, down a further 6% today. That's uh, teetering just above 21 rand a share at the moment. Iliad, also at a 52-week low. Pallinghurst has been struggling along under 2 rand a share. Uh, Transaction Capital, which we'll hear from uh, in a couple of minutes' time. That share at a fresh low. It's only been listed for about 47 weeks so not even a full year but it, it is at an all time low 6.64 share SAFM market update with MoneyWeb well, the Big Whopper will be available in South Africa on Thursday as the first Burger King opens in Cape Town. Hassan Adams, chairman of JSE-listed Grand Parade Investments, the company bringing the American hamburger chain to the country, joins us. Hassan, have you learned a lot about selling hamburgers since we last spoke in November? Yeah, look, I mean, it's absolutely amazing what we've achieved down here. We've got the CEO of Burger King 
um, international, the international CEO here, and he says it's one of the best stores he's seen in the world, you know. So uh, it's really unbelievable. You must see it to believe it, you know. We've got two floors, and it looks like a, um, a, a improvement, a substantial improvement on Leicester Square in London. You know? And the burgers is just amazing. I am just absolutely, you know, gobsmacked with the quality of the burger. It's exactly the same as what you get anywhere else in the world. Hassan, that first Burger King opens on Thursday at noon at 33 Herrenkrocht. That's uh, pretty close to the Civic Center down in Cape Town. Practically exactly six months to the day since the announcement that you were bringing uh, Burger King to the Correct, country. Yeah. How, many, how many restaurants by the end of the year? Look, by the end of the year, we should have about um, six up and running, more or less. Yeah. We, uh, we want to try and get at least two drive-thrus done um, uh, with still in this year. But those are the big ones where you start to have to do a lot of um, construction work and so on. The, uh, there's two, one in Tiger Valley that's opening about a month after this one or six weeks after this one, and one in Cavendish that will also open about the same time more or less. And we're looking at one in Granby's Casino, which will also open up uh, very soon. When I say very soon, within the next two to three month periods, you know, and then there's the two um, drive-thrus that we want to open before the end of the year, which is a, a mean um, ask, but, I mean, we've opened this store within six months. You know. mm. This is a huge store. This is a magnificent store. It's got two floors, and the kids will love it. It's got all sorts of new innovate, innovative play areas and, and uh, really, really um, amazing. You know, The team has done a great job here. Hassan, what about Joburg and Durban? Obviously, all of these stores in the first phase uh, focused on Cape Town to take us to the end of the year. Yeah, look, you know, uh, um, we have said that we must get it right here in Cape Town first, okay? Hmm. And hopefully, by the end of the year, uh, we should have a few, well, one or two stores open in Johannesburg, too. Our big thing is that um, we want to make quite sure that... uh, we maintain the excellence of product, and we train people to be, um, you know, Burger King-minded, let's call it that. And and I don't want to go into any area and just willy-nilly open franchisees and so on. I've seen it with some of my other businesses there and in other people's businesses where you just grab franchises everywhere where they, you know, retired school teachers and whatever. And it becomes a nightmare to maintain the quality of the product. We have made a decision that we will take Burger King to the wire to, first of all, maintain the excellence in product, and from a staff point of view, to introduce the training which makes them the best. You know, I've seen it with the gaming industry, with Sun International, how they do it, and that's why they can operate the best casinos in this country and elsewhere in the world. It's all about people and product, and that's what we're investing here. We're investing in people to ensure that the quality and the excellence of the product is maintained. Hassan, you, you've got a team running this business. Uh, Jason Clare brought in uh, his retail specialist. Is it a big team uh, running the business at head office? Well, can I just tell you, Jay used to be my CEO when I chaired Retail Corp, which is all the restaurants that we sold to Dubai, the Squires Group, the Leonardo's, Ballaginas, 
um, etc. And he, he's a great friend of mine, and he's doing an excellent job in the way that he's actually just motivated people around him. You know, and uh, and and I think that uh, he's built a team which is absolutely awesome. You'll you'll see if you if you pop in here on Thursday, it's an unbelievable team. And the nice thing about Burger King here in Cape Town is that you know we're going to we've now in our new offices. This is our building. 33 on Jurekroch. It's a landmark in Adley Street, next to the square, and we've left open a large space for training and and providing all sorts of curricula for for new people in Burger King. So it's a huge um, component of Burger King by introducing all these people through the training programs here. So that this team will be this will be the the um, the uh, station where everybody will be trained, you know, for even for Johannesburg mm. and Durban uh, when we get there. But, you know, it won't be long now for us to get into Johannesburg and Durban because the foundation is set here and we're also starting with a huge initiative in terms of the supply and, and support stuff for, for, for Burger King. Like, for instance, the manufacturing, Mac Brothers has geared them up for manufacturing all the equipment. As far as the meat supply, we're building a factory in, in, in Alsus River uh, where excellent meats are to to be able to cope with the demand for the whole of sub-Saharan Africa. So it's exciting times. I mean, exciting in the sense that it's a huge investment from a Cape Town point of view. And also in creating jobs, we should be creating thousands of direct and indirect jobs. But I want to do it in a way where we we do it responsibly. You know, I don't want to go and just willy-nilly open stores for the sake of opening stores. It's it's bigger for me. It's about creating a legacy. You know, I've done, it with, done this with Grand Parade Investments, and I think the same thing will apply with Burger King. We won't go and do things irresponsibly. It must be a sustainable process that we, 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 we embark on in terms of people and product. That's Hassan Adams there, Chairman of Grand Parade Investments. There you have it. Uh, Tiger Valley Cavendish to come in the next six weeks or so. Grand West Casino in the next two or three months, and they are pushing hard to get uh, the first Burger King stores open uh, here in Johannesburg. Uh, before the end of this year, the original indication was that they would be open uh, at some point early in 2014. 39.90, that's what your Whopper meal is going to cost you at uh, Burger King when it opens on uh, Thursday at noon. There's more, uh, there's more to come in that interview. It is available on today, or in fact will be available on today and on our apps later this evening. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, Transaction Capital Chief Executive Mark Lamberti joins us now. Results for the six months to the 31st of March are today. Non-interest revenue up by 16% in the group. Gross advances, that's money being lent out, up 27%. Headline earnings up 36%. Mark, essentially four large businesses in Transaction Capital. SA Taxi, that's asset-backed lending. Bayport, which offers unsecured lending across the country. A debt collection business, a specialized debt collection business, and an ATM business. Before we get to each of those, the macroeconomic you're operating in, we've got muted GDP growth of 2.5%, reported uh, continuous reports of high levels of consumer indebtedness. How are you reading the macroeconomic environment? Uh, I think it's common cause, Hilton, that the uh, general environment is difficult. Um, you know, consumer and business confidence is weak, and uh, 
the numbers are looking soft. Um, but, uh, you know, given that uh, we may still achieve something between 25 and 3% for the year, uh, the South African economy is far from falling over. Uh, I think a major concern is around uh, perhaps some over-indebtedness on the part of some households. But what uh, is not really appreciated or spoken about much is that there's been quite a big uh, relocation from uh, asset-backed lending in the form of mortgages mainly into unsecured lending. And uh, the total debt uh, that South Africans have uh, undertaken is not up that much. In terms of uh, unsecured lending, and you are a player in the market through Bayport, it's uh, roughly uh, somewhere between a quarter and a third of, uh, of your business. Six months ago, you said the high growth rate is slowing as market penetration deepens and credit providers signal caution. There's no bubble, but cautious origination is essential regarding new and existing clients as well as uh, that uh, caution about affordability and risk bands. It sounds almost prophetic six months later. Well, uh, you know, at, at the risk of sounding more so, we were saying that uh, in our pre-listing statement. Um, so, uh, you know, you can see that the, uh, un- the national unsecured book uh, grew something like 49% in the first and second quarter of 2012. It dropped to for, uh, 38% uh, in uh, the third quarter and 39% in the fourth. So there has been a step change down. And uh, our own business, we have really tightened up uh, coming into the new year. Uh, with our origination per month dropping significantly. In terms of the applications you're getting from people who want to borrow money, uh, is that uh, the quality of, of the applications that are approved? How's that, how's that ratio looking? Um, we, we, are, we are probably granting a better quality at the moment because of our caution, um, but one, what is, it's important to highlight that uh, by virtue of our distribution model, which is that we have an agent force, we probably decline more transactions than a business where the client would walk into the into a branch having almost self-selected. So we are at the moment declining 90% or so of the applications. Um, but the real uh, indication of how that's moved is that, <clears throat> excuse me, we've gone from 85 to 90% over the last six months. And uh, just that's a reflection of how we've tightened credit. Some of the trends across the market, we're seeing all sorts of uh, things creeping in. Payment holidays, uh, a big focus on debt consolidation among certain of the players, uh, loans being granted for a far longer period and a far larger sum, uh, up to 72 months. You're talking hundreds of thousands of rands. Within Bayport itself, what, what borrowing trends are you seeing? We've done none of those things. Um, we've... we've uh, uh, at times consolidated some of our own clients, but uh, that's, that's been all that we've done. Our, um, the length of our book um, and the term um, has uh, remained pretty constant over the last while, and we've avoided some of that stuff. You know, when the, when the, when the massive surge in unsecured, uh, sorry, in consolidated uh, consolidations grew, um, th- that was something that was of concern to us, and uh, we, we, we started to see in the second half of 2012 that some of those people that were consolidating at a high level were putting back, which suggested to us that they were already seeing stress in, that, in, that, uh, in, in those actions. So um, we've, we've steered clear of that. As far as investor sentiment is concerned, do you think the market fully understands what ca- uh, transaction capital does? I ask this because the sentiment regarding the, uh, the sector is, is fairly muted at the moment, more so, I guess, following African Bank's announcement last week. Uh, most counters in the sector selling off heavily, and there seems to be the tendency among investors to just lump uh, uh, any number of companies, or I can think of five or six or seven, uh, together as the same thing and, and say, well, if it affects 
company A, it affects company B. Yes, I, I think you, you're right to observe that uh, we're not well understood. Um, I have to say that the big discussion between myself and my colleagues prior to the listing was that um, we, we believed that whatever we were going to do in this company over the next three years, uh, it would be better to do that in public and let the market get to understand us and, and uh, allow us the time to produce a kind of a track record that people could have confidence in. So, um, you know, I think people are getting to know us. Uh, we haven't even been listed a year yet. Um, it is a complex group in some respects because the the assets uh, and, and the uh, divisions are quite different in what they do. Uh, but to your last point, I think that the market is going to be distinguishing more and more between uh, stocks as opposed to sectors. Uh, and some of the, the noise of the last few days around unsecured uh, has not uh, been applied uh, at the same level to all of the companies that have some unsecured lending presence. Uh, I think that uh, the differences between the various players will be noticed by good uh, analysts and uh, they'll be highlighted. And the liquidity of the stock market, does that concern you? Only 6% retail investors, that number is, is low, given that uh, more than half of this company is held by management and staff, uh, 30% yeah, by institutions. You, you touch on a very big issue. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, only, the only way we could possibly solve that problem quickly is for us as the major shareholders to sell, and we don't think that that's appropriate, uh, either in terms of the, <laughs> the current price or in terms of the signals it would send. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait for um, an event um, and uh, possibly a, a time when we um, need to uh, raise some equity uh, to get more liquidity, uh, but for the moment we're going to have to live with uh, what is clearly a problem in the lack of liquidity. Mark Lamberti, the Chief Executive of Transaction Capital. Property Insights brought to you by Redefine Properties. Redefine. We're not landlords, we're people. Mike Rattle is Head of Developments, uh, Group Development Manager at Redefine. Mike, a, a new head office for Weber Wenzel um, announced last week a billion rand development at 90 Rivonia Road, which is the old Alexander Forbes head office site opposite Santon City. Now, this, uh, this building will uh, achieve a four-star rating from the Green Building Council of South Africa. This trend of office developments looking and working differently to perhaps uh, – how they used to in in the past. What's what are the drivers behind this trend towards green? Yeah, thanks, Hilton. Um, pleasure to talk with you. Um, there's a number of drivers behind behind greenification, I guess you could say. Um, some of them are tenant driven, and and some of them are landlord or or owner driven. Um, as far as the tenants are concerned, uh, I guess it, it depends on what tenant you're going to put in a building. The the larger the tenant, the more sophisticated the tenant. One tends to find, especially with multinational tenants, that they are um, looking to emulate what they they have in their other offices globally in in Europe, the States, Australia. Uh, which are high uh, energy efficient buildings, green rated buildings over there. Um, from a, a landlord perspective, we we know that uh, in order to get sustainable assets, we operate on 20 to 30 year life cycles on the building, that we must make it attractive uh, when we're hunting for tenants, for those tenants to come into the building. That means lower operating costs, energy efficient buildings, um, and, and buildings that are going to be uh, lost the distance in terms of, of new technology that will be attractive to tenants. Uh, another driver actually uh, sits at council level uh, where the building councils are reacting to, I think a good example in South Africa is ESCOM power shortages here. Uh, there's been revised building regulations which require developers to um, to take 
energy efficiency to new levels compared to several years ago. Uh, and that means that there is a creep uh, just to get your building plans approved through council uh, to making um, them more efficient in the process. Without getting into too much detail, on a practical level, what, what kinds of uh, technologies and features would a green building have that uh, a kind of traditional, uh, maybe 10-year-old office development doesn't have? Well, you'd definitely be looking at um, highly efficient uh, air conditioning systems that, that use less energy for a similar rate of cooling. Um, same with the lighting technologies and um, the, uh, the energy usage of the building in general, the systems that operate the lights. Uh, there's a lot, of, lot being said at the moment about LED technologies, and the use of those technologies depends uh, upon the payback period for each of those items. Also, the materials that the building um, uh, is made of come into it. Uh, 